passage. You guys just kind of read it with me. Be great. Okay, so, and there was what? Say it aloud. And there were, that, that wasn't very good for a 7.30 p.m. service. Let's try that one more time. And there were, oh, that's better. Living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, what? The angel said, I bring you good news. FYI, if you've ever heard the word gospel, that's what the gospel means, good news, okay? So I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, what's the good news, you guys? Help me out, say with me. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Today, I bring you good news. A Savior has been born to you. Now, some people could ask, well, why is that a big deal? Why is that so important? What, what, if, if that a Savior has been born, like why do I even need a Savior? Why, what, tell me a little bit about that. What, what, what do we need to be saved from? And so what's really interesting to me about this passage is who the angels appear to in this story, okay? If you think about it, if the Son of God is about to be born, like who would God, who would you think? I mean, in my mind, who would he appear to? In my mind, I'm thinking like, really VIP people, right? Like really like movers and shakers of our community, like the king, right? Or, or you know, somebody big and important, I would appear, I would have this announcement, make this announcement known. You know, from my perspective, I would probably let, you know, people like religious leaders, Pharisees, scribes, of, or the Sadducees. But instead, God sends the angels to some shepherds. And you may think, Maybe you're like, well, of course, shepherds. I mean, in my nativity scene, we have one back there. In my nativity scene, there's like shepherds, and it makes sense to me, right? That's why we, it makes sense. But actually, it's actually very different. It's a, the, the most disrespected group of people in the time of Jesus were shepherds. The job of a shepherd was so low that a father, if he had to give his, his wife, his, his daughter in marriage, he would, he, he, or if he had to give a job to somebody in his family, he would give it to the youngest son, or more, than, more, than, more often he would give it to a slave because shepherds were uneducated and they had no means of like career advancement. And so in fact, according to the religious system, shepherds were always always rejected. The religious leaders taught the shepherds were not good people. And so they, they, were, they could not be made right with God. In fact, the shepherds could not live up to the religious rules of the day. And so it's no wonder they always worried about these shepherds. They lived in fear of how do I, where do I stand with God? And they felt distant from God. If there was ever a group of people in the society where Jesus was that felt distant from God, it was these people. Can everybody say these people? Now, I don't know about you, but at different times in my life, I have felt dis distant from God. At different times in my life, I have felt unloved. At different times in my life, I have felt inadequate. At different times in my life, I have felt unworthy. And so I can relate as I'm reading this story. And, you know, on a per perception, on a day like this, you know, church, as you look around and you see beautiful people all dressed, by the way, you guys all look good in your Christmas vest, all Christmassy, right? Um, you look around and you think, wow, these people, they must have it all together, 
These people, you know, the way they look, they, they must be way more successful than I am. And they look like they're, they're a good family and they have it all together, you know, but in your mind, you're like, man, if they only knew about me, I'm, I'm so screwed up. If they only knew the way I was. And you have no idea the pain that people sitting even in the rows by you are, are, have, just right around where you are, what they're going through. There could be just three seats down from you, a single mom who's about ready to cash it in because she feels so inadequate. She thinks, you know what, if it wasn't for my kids, I wouldn't even be here today. It, 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 and I, I don't even know how I can keep it all together. Maybe right in front of you, there may be a guy who's doing the best he can to worship God during our, our worship time, our beautiful s- service of songs, but he feels like an utter and complete failure. He's struggling financially, and he knows when his kids go back to school, maybe someone's going to ask him, hey, what did you get for Christmas? And the kids are going to want to lie because the truth is they didn't get much. And he wanted to give them, but he, he didn't have the means. He, he, he feels like a complete failure. Maybe there's someone else here, maybe even sitting right behind you who's single, and, and all their friends are married, and they're going, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Like, I'm serving, I'm doing the best I can, I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus, and, and, and I'm trying to be an effective person, and yet no one seems to want to be around me. What's wrong with me? Why can't I be loved too? You may be sitting right next to, in your section, somebody that looks incredibly successful, has even more money than you, more things than you, but inside they're carrying such a burden and such pain, and they don't even feel like they have anyone close to them that they can open up to and they feel unworthy, they feel inadequate, they feel unloved. And the bottom line is that religion, it did not work for the shepherds. It made them feel even more distant from God. And religion did not work for the shepherds, and guess what? Religion does not work for us. And you may say, well, wait, 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 aren't you a pastor? Like, how can you say religion is what you do? But that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that God did not send Jesus to bring religion into this world but in so many ways to set us free from religion and to give us something that's so much better than religion. See, the problem is with religion is that religion reduces following Jesus. It reduces Christianity to a a set of rules, right? There's all these rules of, of do's and these rules of don'ts. And if I do these things, then I'm good with God. Or if I don't do these bad things, then I'm good with God. And so we reduce it down, you know, to a bunch of things that I don't do. Well, if I don't drink, if I don't smoke, if I don't chew, if I don't hang around with girls who do, then I'm all right, I'm okay, I'm, I'm in good, I must be okay. And so if you, do the, if you do do that, then I must be holier than you, right? Because I'm, I'm, I look down on you and I, I'm more religious than you because I obey more rules than you. And Jesus, he would look at, at that kind of mentality and that kind of behavior and he would just want to puke right, he would just want to puke because he says to the Pharisees who were very much duped into thinking this way, he said, man, you're so focused on the outside, how you look on the exterior, but inside you are so filthy. He would say, man, your, 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 your outside looks nice and clean and prim and proper and your, ho- your, your, your hair is combed all nice and neat, but inside you're filthy. He said, you've missed the entire point. See, religion did not work for the shepherds, and it doesn't work for you, and it doesn't work for us, because following Jesus was never meant to be a religion. It was meant to be a relationship with God, and that's why God sent a person. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, and that's, you guys, 
the good news. You say, well, okay, if that is good news, then what kind of difference does that make? If, if there is a savior, what, what does that mean for me today? How, how does that apply to my life today? And so I wanna show you in a very, very few, in the clearest verses in all the Bible, and I would describe the most succinct way version of the good news in the Bible. And it's certainly one of the most important. It's in the book of Romans chapter three, and we're gonna look at verses 20 through 22. And I'm gonna break it down. I'm gonna read the verses, then I'm gonna break it down into three small points, okay? Three small points to clearly grasp and understand the good news, all right? This is what he says in, in verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. And you guys, you have no idea how good news this is, all right? You have no idea how good this is because the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But what has God done? Let's read verse 21. God has now shown us a way to be made right with him. And here's the good news. Without keeping the requirements of the law, he's shown us the right way without keeping. So what does this mean? Verse 22, we are made right with God, not by observing the law, right? Not by doing all the do's and all the don'ts, but by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Do you guys see that up there? No matter who we are. So let's just break it down. As simple as I can, one, two, and three, right? If you're taking notes, what is the good news? Number one, the good news is you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. You cannot earn God's acceptance. You can't be good enough for God by trying to obey the law, by try, trying to do all the good things. You cannot earn his acceptance. And that is such good news for the shepherds because they lived in a society where the Pharisees, they had 613 laws for everybody to obey. 613, 613 laws. As followers of Jesus, we have the 10 commandments. But God said, wait, 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 I'm gonna even make it simpler than that. I'm gonna boil it down. I'm gonna narrow it down to just two. Two things. This is all you gotta do. If you do these two things, you'll do the 10, you'll do everything else. Just these two things. The first one is to love God, and the next one is to love others. Love God and then love others. That's all I'm gonna ask you to do. Just love God and love others, all right? And so the shepherds physically, they couldn't keep 613 laws. Their occupation prohibited them from being able to obey the law. And so now the good news is that you can't even do it even if you tried. That's good news. Even if you tried to obey all the dues, you couldn't even do it. So verse 20, it says, for no one can ever be made, can you read it with me? No one can ever be made what? Right. By what? By doing what the law commands. Let's say it again. By doing what the law commands. So why do we have the law? If nobody can be made right by doing what the law commands, why do we even have the law? What, what's it even there for? So number one is that you cannot earn God's acceptance by doing all the things. You cannot earn God's by observing the law. Number two, what's the purpose of the law? It's to show you your need for a savior. Look at it very clearly in verse 20. It says again, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. So why is the law there? Read it aloud. The law simply shows us how sinful, are you guys seeing it, that last line there? Let's read it together. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Think about it. 
What does the law do? What does the law do? It reveals our need for a savior. Now, I, I need to just say that that right there is one of the most important things that we're gonna read and, and, and in our talk about what we're gonna talk about today, that's gonna be the most important thing, all right? Because in our culture today, one of the misconceptions, one of the fundamental flaws in our thinking is that so many people believe that they are actually good. They believe it. If I asked you, how many of you believe that you're a good person? Most of us would raise our hands. Why would we do that? Because if we compare ourselves, we're like, man, I know some really bad people, and I'm not that bad, so I must be kind of good, right? And so we all think that we're kind of good people. We're not really bad people, all right? But we're not talking about comparing ourselves with other people. We're talking about comparing ourselves with God's standard. We're talking about comparing ourselves with God's, so with his standard, we are all bad people. And just because it's Christmas, all right, I, I want to help you see how bad you really are, okay? In fact, this is a little exercise we've done before, so we did it yesterday, so forgive me if you're bored with this exercise, but I, I, we, we've got some new people here today, and so they haven't never done it, so I just want to help prove to you your badness, how bad, I'm bad, you're going to be able to sing that Michael Jackson song, now so much better, only because it's Christmas week, and if you, it'll make you feel really good to know how bad you really are, okay, so please play along. How many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. All right, there are some people that don't have their hands up, but don't look at them because they are so good. Just keep looking straight, keep looking straight. They're so good that if you look at them, lightning might strike you because they're so perfect. Okay, so okay, put your hands down. All right, how many of you have ever stolen something? I know I have. Raise your hand if you have, okay? All right, you've stolen something. Okay, you can put it down. All right, okay, now for this next one, I don't want anybody to raise their hands, but if you would, put your hands together like this. And all I want you to do is like a little pinky, like just lift up your pinky like this because I don't want to get you in trouble with your spouse or anything. So this question is a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable, but just, just with your pinky very subtly, okay? How many of you have ever looked lustfully at someone else, all right? All right, I see only a few pinkies. I see, all right, I, I see like somebody going really crazy waving. You don't have to do all that. I don't know what that means. I don't want to know. Just, just, just a little wave at, okay, just a little bit. All right, you can't do it. It's okay. All right, all right. So now, Jesus said, if you look lustfully, you've done what? What does Jesus say? You've committed adultery. All right, so if you've ever told a lie, help me out. What are you? You are a liar. Okay. If you've ever stolen something, what are you? You are a thief. All right. So if you've ever looked lustfully, what are you? You are a adulterer. So basically, we're a church full of lying, thieving adulterers. Welcome to the Doral Vineyard and Merry Christmas, where we help you feel good about yourself. I hope you feel so much better. Now, you might say, well, why are you doing this, Pastor Abdi? You just embarrassed me in front of everybody. Okay, it's so important, and you cannot miss this, all right? You see, until you see yourself as a sinner, you will never see a need for a Savior. Until you see yourself as you recognize that we are all not good people, compared to God, that you recognize, oh my gosh, I do need his grace. I do need him in my life. And when you re recognize and you realize that you need a Savior, you're going to recognize this that religion cannot save you. When you recognize, you know, I am a sinner, then you won't be looking for salvation through religion. You'll be looking for salvation through a person. 
You'll be looking through 2,000 years ago, the Savior was born. Indeed, following Jesus was never meant to be a religion, but a relationship with the loving God who sent his son to reveal just how good he is. And so what is the good news? The good news is that you cannot be good enough to earn a relationship with God by observing the law. And so what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us our need for a savior. And so how are we made right with God? How can we ever be made right with God? Number three, the good news is that it teaches us that righteousness with God comes by faith in him alone. It comes by faith in Christ alone. It's not Christ plus religion. It's not Christ plus going to church, being a good church member, right? It's not Christ plus giving money, right? It's not Christ plus doing good work. It's Christ plus nothing, plus nothing. It's putting our faith in Christ alone. So this is verse 22 again. We are made right with God by doing one. By doing what? Come on, say it aloud. We're, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Can you say it again? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is so true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's so true. And the angel appeared to the shepherds and the people that religion rejected and said, you know what? The angel said, it's not that bad. Don't be afraid. I got some good news for you because in the city of David, there's been a savior that's been born for you. And it's by faith in Christ alone. And so how can I explain this in a different way? I'm, try I'm trying to like narrow this down. How can I explain this? So Abdelita, would you come up here for a second? This is my son. Would you come up? Thank you. All right, so uh, I'm gonna explain this. So I, I am, you know, a pastor. If I was a priest, I'd be wearing like this white collar. In the clerical, you know, slang amongst us pastors, clerical people, we call it a dark collar. It's this thing, this white thing, or I would wear like this robe, right? So I don't have a robe. I, I wore a suit that one time a year where I wear a suit, hardly ever. But let's say I was Jesus, and I'm not, but say I was, and I took my jacket off. And this is like saying, when you put your faith in Christ, it's like saying, I put, you have the jacket of Christ on you. And so now when God looks at you, he no longer sees you with all your sin and all your, 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 your filthy stuff, right? No, he no longer sees you. Now because of what Jesus did on the cross, his, his death, he put our sin on himself and he rose again and because of what he did now when god looks at you he doesn't see the filth he sees this jacket actually he sees himself he sees himself on you and he says wow that looks pretty good i like the way you look now it's no longer you that i see but i see the righteousness of god on you you can be seated thank you very much can we give him a hand So we are standing inside the righteousness that we did not deserve. And that's the power of the good news. Are you good enough for God on your own, you guys? What's the answer? No. Without that jacket that I just explained, we are not good. on our, But because of what the Son of God did on the cross, becoming sin for us and dying for us, now when you place your faith in Him, you're putting on the jacket. And God no longer sees your sin 
He sees his righteousness, the righteousness of God. That's why religion didn't work for the shepherds, but a relationship did. See, religion is all about us and what we can do and our efforts to please God. Relationship is all about what God's perfect work did in satisfying the debt for our sin through Jesus. So religion is, is all about what we do, 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 do. Can I do, can I do, can I do? right? Or can I don't do, I don't do this, I don't do that. Relationship is all about what God has already done for us, right? His perfect work. Religion could be spelled D-O, do, you got to do, you got to do. Relationship could be spelled D-O-N-E, done, what God has already done, totally and completely done. Religion says, I have to work hard, work really hard, and then maybe I might be able to please God. Relationship says, no, because I'm already accepted by Jesus Christ, therefore, I, work, I, I want to, I get to work hard. And, and you guys, this is a game changer. When you realize this, that the shepherds, they felt just like we do, unworthy, unwanted, unloved, inadequate. But the good news is, it's not that bad. For today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to us. And so no matter how bad you've been, or how bad you've messed up, or how alone you feel, it's not that bad. I'm gonna read it again, verse 22 of Romans 3. We are made right with God, not by good works, not by religion, but by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Let's all say that last part together, okay? No matter who we, those five words, let's say it again. No matter who we are. You guys, and this is good news. No matter who you are, a savior has been born for you and his name is Christ and he is the Lord. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the power of the gospel, the good news and for your presence with us today. And we ask, God, that you would minister to us in a way that would be life-giving and life-transforming. And as you pray today, there are those of you that you may be carrying a heavy burden right now. We've been talking about fear in this series, how Mary, it was the fear of what God is asking me to do, how Joseph, it was the fear of what people think about me. Today, it's the fear of where I stand with God. And some of you, you might have some financial fears right now. There's a heavy burden to you. Some of you, it might be a bad health report for you or somebody that you love. Others of you, there might be a relational tension in your marriage with your children. You might be going to see family and you know there's, there's potential for just drama and hurt. And some of you, it might be the burden of feeling very alone and you're afraid. Today, what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to cast your cares upon God because he cares for you. See, every time an angel appeared, the angel said, it's not that bad. Do not be afraid because the angel comes to represent the goodness of God because God is here and we really have nothing to fear. And so those of you here that would say, yeah, you know, there's a heaviness, there's a burden, there's a concern, maybe there's a fear that I've been caring and today by faith I just want to give that over to God if that's you would you just stand with me right now just stand with me folks standing up 
all over this place right now are saying, yes, there's a burden, there's a heaviness in me, and I just want to give it to God. If that's you, would you please stand? And so God, I thank you for those who in a moment of honesty are seeking you. And God, I, I just thank you that you know the details of every situation and that you're a good God. And God, as we cast our cares on you, God, I thank you that you will give us a supernatural peace that goes beyond our human ability to understand. We thank you, God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so, God, by faith, we ask that you would work miraculously in every situation as we need. And God, I thank you in advance that you will bring glory to your name because you are good and you always glorify yourself. So God, by faith, we trust you today. That which we carried, this burden, God, we give it to you and believe that you always will be faithful. And so God, we trust you today. And as you keep praying today, there are those of you from a spiritual perspective that you feel unworthy, you feel inadequate, you feel unloved. And man, can I relate to you. I can relate with this because the burden of wondering where I stood with God, it weighed on me for so many years. And I, I didn't understand the good news that I couldn't be good enough. And just think about how good he is, that God loves you so much that the purpose of his law is to show you that you can't do it on your own that you need someone else. And he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus that whoever, whosoever calls on his name would be saved, would be completely changed, would be completely forgiven and made new. There are those of you that God brought here specifically for this moment and you can sense it. You know it on the inside and, and you can sense it. You sense something is happening. You're like, what is that? What is that? I don't know. That's the power of the loving God drawing you toward himself because you recognize, you know what? I do need him. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his forgiveness. That's why I'm here today. It, it's my time to say, yes, I, I've sinned against God and, and, and I need your forgiveness today, God. And so by faith, my life, I, I, I give it to you. Those of you who would say, you know what? Yes, I need him. Yes, I need his grace. By faith, I surrender. Today, I give my life to God through Christ. Would you just lift your hands right now and say, yes, that's my prayer. Lift them up and leave them up if you would. I see these hands right here. You guys, God bless you. I see these hands in this section right here. You can put them down. I see those hands. Yes, you can put them down. God bless you guys. You're saying, yes, I need his forgiveness. Listen, right now, people are going to pray with you, and we're all going to pray it aloud. With, we're going to pray together with those around you. Everybody pray this, and pray it like you mean it. Say, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner, and I do need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Change me. Make me brand new. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you, so I could know you, so I could serve you for the rest of my life. Thanks for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Doral Vineyard, would you